0: The Leap Foundation proudly presents the Meet the Matter podcast with New York Times best selling author, motivational speaker, and celebrity dentist, Dr. Bill Dorfman. I'm super excited to introduce you to another of my good friends who not only walks the walk and talks the talk, but she dances the dance and has helped me raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for LEAP and has been a phenomenal, phenomenal support. Paula has been at every LEAP since we started and has even gone on the road with me to help raise money. So let me give you a little bit of info on Paula. Paula is an American singer, songwriter, dancer, choreographer, actress, and television personality. She began her career as a cheerleader for the Los Angeles Lakers at the age of 18, and later became the head choreographer for the Laker Girls, where she was discovered by the Jacksons. She's won Emmys, Grammys, American Music Awards, and a plethora of other notable awards. But for many of you, because you're so young, you're probably, the first time I would say you met Paula was as one of the original judges on American Idol, where she was on that show for how many years, Paula? Uh,
1: Nine years. Nine Nine
0: years. years, And that's actually when I met Paula, too. It was the very first week of American Idol. And um, she has had a career that has gone up and down and up and down. But when she hit American Idol, it just went up and up and up and up and up. And she is a bundle of energy, a bundle of enthusiasm, and has been a very strong, sweet and dear supporter of Leap since its its inception. So I can't thank you enough for being here, Paula. And even in this virtual mode of COVID, she made the trip out here to talk to you guys. So thank you so much. It's
1: always my pleasure. I'm so proud of everything you've done and I'm proud to be a part of Leap.
0: Thank you. All right. So Paula, we met literally one week into American Idol. Yes, we did. And I remember you coming into my office. You love, you
1: love telling the story.
0: <laughs> and you were like, I don't know if I can work with that guy. He has like a black heart.
1: Yeah, I did. But,
0: but that- you stuck it out. And, you know, the thing that I think was so exciting, especially, I, you know, I grew up with you. We're... I'm older but we're roughly the same age and it's funny because I went to Granada Hills High School, you went to Birmingham, right? I went to Van Nuys. Van Nuys. And I was a yell leader, you were a cheerleader. Um some of my friends were friends with you. We never met except through Michael right. And true. Michael sent you in, but you know, we kind of grew up on the same path and you know, you just like your career exploded i mean the music that you did you sold how many millions of albums it's
1: close to 70 million now.
0: 70 million albums yeah. and you started as a laker girl and in a minute we'll talk about that story because i know by the way paula we have a thousand students watching this year really a thousand i mean i i know that i, I mean i hate COVID and I but the one good thing about it is we can do this virtually and we have a thousand students so they don't know your whole story but i mean basically you started off as a dancer as as a laker girl and i'm gonna have you tell them the story of how you became a laker girl because that's a great one Uh but from the lakers you started this enormous music career and you had some of the biggest songs of your time in music and yeah. it, I mean, and then on and on and on. But let's start off with the Lakers, because, you know, uh, you guys all grew up watching basketball and seeing, you know, the Laker girls and all of these. Y- you don't really know. She was on the very first squad. And, you know, Paula was not like a shoein' in for the Laker girls. You know, she went in an audition, I'll let you take it away and tell them how it went.
1: No, I mean, I'm not the tallest person. <laughs> I, I don't have legs for days i knew that you know i'd probably be cut so my whole strategy was just get in the door and and we'll take it from there but i remember i went i carpooled with four other uh friends of mine we were all trying out to be a laker girl and when we got to the forum i had number 742 to pin on to my leotard and um they lined us all up there were close to 2,000 girls and we were all in the arena where the Lakers played, and I got cut before I even danced, and I figured that's probably what's gonna happen. I don't look like the normal type of cheerleader. Back then, it was just all about legs for days, and it'd be better if you were blonde, let's be real, and blue-eyed, and nice you know, legs and the whole deal. Well, I got cut, um, and so did two of the other girls that I carpooled with, We got cut immediately without dancing, and I didn't think that was fair. And I was the only girl in that carpool that brought a dance bag because I figured I'd have to do one of my shenanigans, which I did immediately. Um, There were still two girls left. Three of us were already cut. I went into the bathroom, and I changed my clothes. I changed out the leotard and tights I was in. I put on a different one. I put my hair in a ponytail, and I entered as my middle name, Julie, and I spelled my last name A-B-B-A-L, Apple, like no one would know. And I went back out on the floor and the two other girls that were cut with me were so pissed off that I was even attempting this. And I walked right up to the other two girls that were left and stood next to them and they were pissed off too. But we danced and I got to dance, but I got cut and so did the other two girls. So now all All of us, all five of us were cut, and we were all leaving, and I said, guys, can you just wait one more round, because I still have one more outfit I can change into, and they, they weren't having it. They told me, hell no, and they said, you can take a bus home, and I said, okay, fine, I'll take a bus home. What did I have to lose? And I went back into the bathroom. I saved my best leotard and tights and leg warmers. I had, like, a red and white striped leotard. I had blue leg warmers and a blue headband. And this time I put my hair half up, half down. And I entered as my first initial P, my middle initial J. And this time I spelled my last name Apple, A-P-P-L-E. And I went out there and I decided I'm just going to be bold and daring. I don't have any girls left here who are mad at me. And I went right in the middle center and I danced and this time, I, I got to stay, and they said, okay, back half of the arena, come to the front, and the front half go to the back. And I started turning around and pivoting, walking back, and I was thinking, oh, my God, this is my chance. They're going to forget about me now. Then I'm turning around, I'm walking to the back of the room, and I turned right around and walked back to the front in the center, and I danced, and I made it as PJ Apple. There you go. Because I've, I've always figured if it's not written in the rules, there are no rules, What's the last thing you're going to say is no. I've heard no a lot. So this was my first yes by me being bold and daring.
0: And I love where Paula always says that for her, no was the beginning of the conversation. Well, my dad
1: taught me since I was a little girl, honey, you're an abdul. No is the beginning of a negotiation. That's what my dad used to teach me all the time. So it kind of wore off on me. But so
0: then you start off as a Laker girl. And, I, it's the and you were a trained dancer. You were
1: dancing since the time you were like three or four, right? No, that's, that's the newer generation. As, as a matter of fact, when I was judging on So You Think You Can Dance, there would be some kids that just come, come on stage and they're like two or three. And I go, how old are you? Three. And I go, how long have you been dancing? My whole life all of 3 years. All of three yeah, years. no, I, I started at, on a whim. Um, I was turning 8 years old. So I was a late bloomer.
0: Okay, so you you started as a Laker girl. How did you transition from Laker girl to pop star?
1: Well, in between being a Laker girl, like right after that I became the choreographer of the Laker girls, and that's how I was discovered by the Jacksons because they were season ticket holders at the Forum. A lot of very famous people were season ticket holders, and um, I got hired as the head Laker girl to choreograph the Jacksons' huge world tour, the Victory Tour, where they were going to tour with Michael. And so here I was. I I was literally I lied about my age. I was seventeen when I became a Laker girl. By the time I was turning eighteen, I already had choreographed um the jacksons tour and then i was just venturing into starting to work with janet jackson so i started becoming a very famous choreographer all around the world i worked with everyone from prince to george michael (laughs) gone too soon um uh janet Cz top duran duran um uh, i choreographed the academy awards and the movie Coming to America, and lots of other things, and that's where I had my big career for quite some time, and then it was on, I I decided I was gonna start saving my money to make demos, recording demos, and it was really cool because I was at the right place at the right time, being in an arena where the Lakers played, there were music executives and presidents of labels that sat on the floor, and I would just keep making demos, And one thing led to another, and I got to have my demos played for two different labels, and one of them that I decided to go with was Virgin Records. And then I tried to stay a Laker girl and choreographer as long as I could. I stayed there all the way up until um, Straight Up became number one. And
0: Straight Up was huge, and literally your career shot up. And all of a sudden, though, you disappeared and nobody really knew what happened. I mean, you had this amazing career and they didn't know about the plane crash and it really wasn't public and I don't think you wanted it to be public because, you know, yeah, you worked hard to get where you were and you know, your fear was, and I'll let you tell about the plane crash, but you know, in, in, in a career where people are so judgmental if they think that you're, and you, you've used the term damaged goods, they're not going to hire you. So you publicly kept a lot of that you know, hidden, and people didn't really know what happened. And maybe you can share that with our students.
1: And in hindsight, I, I did that for that reason alone. Is I didn't want people to feel sorry for me or to think that I wouldn't be able to work, which is ridiculous because I was so injured. I, I was uh, on tour and leaving one city, Going to another one. Um, I was 30 minutes in the air with s- seven other people on the plane, a private plane, and one of the um, engines blew up, and the right wing caught on fire, and I we we had plummeted, and I didn't have my seatbelt on, and so I hit my head on the top of on the ceiling of the plane, and I was knocked out, and um, when I came to, all of the, everyone, the plane was in flames, and The co-pilot was going to do an emergency crash landing in a cornfield. I was knocked out again, and I woke up in the hospital. Um, I ended up uh, rupturing my entire C-spine, and I started going paralyzed, my whole right side. Um, And I went through 15 uh, cervical spinal surgeries and went through tremendous amount of pain, doubt, fear, depression. not being able to do what I love to do, and I didn't want people to know. Uh, the people on the plane, we all signed a, an NDA, you know, confidentiality, and I embarked upon a long journey of surgeries and not getting better, and wanting to call it quits, quite honestly. The pain was, was so surreal, and so bad, and unfathomable, it was very hard at times. but. I'm the type of girl who has a very tenacious spirit and I don't give up. I just don't. I know that that my life was meant to, to get through this and and endure and um I hung in there when many other my contemporaries didn't and and had a tougher time than I did, but I hung in there and I can honestly say it's last surgery, cervical spinal surgery I had was during American Idol. I had three more surgeries during American Idol, but that was, the last surgery I had was 2008, and knock on wood, well, I'm, I'm, I'm singing and dancing again, so it, it, was, it was a tough, tough, tough time.
0: And it was, and you really are tenacious, and you know, I think that American Idol was the opportunity that we all had to get to know Paula Abdul and fall in love with her. You know, and I think the thing that really gave us the ability to to fall in love with you was how you embraced these young people. You know, where Simon was always being harsh and mean and making them cry, you were the one. You know, putting your arm around them and hugging them, and you know, giving them the you know you can do it kind of thing, and 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 that really resonated.
1: Well, I think that you can't have you can't have a disapproving father without without a nurturing mother. And then you have Randy Jackson, who's just the cool brother that, you know, would sometimes side with me, oftentimes side with Simon. Um, it was a formula that just completely worked. And also, I was the only one who was an artist who knows what it's like to put yourself out there and to to be ridiculed. You know, it's like I knew what it felt like for, for these kids where Randy and Simon didn't. So it was a natural... Um, place for me to be nurturing uh you know i always felt like the spirit and psyche of, of any performer is that of it, you have to first start your criticism with something that is warm because if you started out right away you suck you can't come back and around and say well it, it was okay it was all right but you you have to be able to say something that is slightly redeeming to soften the blow but the truth is is that i i would deliver something kind but i followed it up right away with what my true feelings were and where they can improve
0: and and i think that that was such an effective way for you to help these kids kind of get to the next level tell us a story about american isle because that was really the resurrection of your career i mean you know it
1: came back it was at It was a comeback. It was a comeback for me because I had to take so much time off of, like I left my career with number one records. And like you said, people didn't know what was going on. And I just remember, um, you know, another thing is I willed. I willed American Idol to happen. I didn't understand it at the time. But when I was going through all of these surgeries, I was given um, a gift to go see an incredible psychic. And I had never been. And this woman, this Italian woman, beautiful soul, she had me in her home. And I, I was in between all my surgeries. And she took a piece of my jewelry and my car keys. And she went into her room. She came back out. And she just started spitting all of these things that you're about my dad, my mom, my sister, my health. like. And she just said, oh, you're going to be doing a huge show. A huge show, like like a, like a a talent show of some sort. And I said, well, not like, there was an old show way before your time called um, Star Search. And it was our. it was, I was a little girl when Star Search came out. And that's the only talent show that, um, as an American in, growing up in my, I didn't know any other show that was like that. So I, I wasn't too keen on it. But she kept saying, you already willed it to happen. And the truth is, I did because during, right when I, right like around 1998 is when I went to see this woman, but she said that I willed it to happen because what happened is I wrote, co-wrote a song with this girl, Cara Diaguardi, and it was called Spinning Around, and I couldn't use it for my album because I was going through surgeries, and I wasn't able to even barely talk, let alone sing, but it was a song that we co-wrote, and submitted it to an artist named Kylie Minogue. And Kylie Minogue hadn't been signed to a label in many years. So this was like her wanting to make her comeback. And we gave it to her. And it, for her, it entered every chart, at number one. So it was a huge success. It was called Spinning Around. And um, it ended up being a song on a show in England called Pop Idol, where kids would come in and sing a cappella. And so many of them were singing, spinning around. So all of a sudden, my attorney and my business manager are calling me while I'm in the hospital recovering from surgery, saying that there's this show. They want they want release of licensing and mechanical fees. And I wanted to know what the show was about. So here's this show, Pop Idol. So I got to see one of the shows. So I already saw years before I even met Simon Cowell, who Simon Cowell was. And it was this show where they openly criticize these kids who come in and sing. And like this guy, Simon Cowell, and another guy named Pete Waterman on the other side of him, he he, he um, helped create Ace of Base and Banana Ram, uh, Aunt Abba and all all of those groups. They would say in front of a kid singing, that sucks. And that's and and then I, I, I wanted to call up and hear more about it because I thought, well, here's a show I could actually maybe go to... to London, and I can kind of like coach the kids when it gets to their final 10 or so. And when I finally got through, they didn't believe it was me calling, so I called like 12 times before they finally I had to sing straight up to them on the phone in in the UK. So finally they believed it was me, and then this producer gets on the phone and says, well, we just started the show so huge that the queen clears her diary to vote. And I said, the queen... Vote. What, what do you mean? The, the the country votes for these singers. It's like a live vote. And I went, this is incredible. So I knew all about the show based on the fact that everyone was coming in and singing a cappella version of Spinning Around, which I co-wrote with, with Kara. And that's how I willed it to happen. And I said, can I come over and help the kids? They said, well, we're just starting out. Maybe when it gets to the top 20, top 10, we'll fly you out. And so... and. And they said, you know, it's it's gonna it's a huge show, and we're just in our third week, so I forgot about it, forgot about it altogether. It's just I'm I'm recovering from my surgeries. I had just signed on to choreograph Dana Carby in a movie that he was making his comeback on, um, and I just signed on to do it. And then I got a call from the UK saying, we're ready to bring you over to work with the top ten. I said just started principal photography on a a film i couldn't do it so they said don't worry it's such a huge show that i'm sure there'll be a bidding war for america and we'll we'll get back to you you'll hear from us in probably eight or nine months so again i forgot all about it and then all of a sudden i got a phone call from michael Ullman saying that that there's a show that at fox and they want you to come in it's called american idol I didn't remember hardly any of it. Meanwhile, going back to the psychic who told me that I'd be doing this big t- talent show, she also told me that it would be one of the hardest jobs ever because there'll be this real acerbic a-hole that's going to sit to the left of me. Seriously, so specific. And and as someone that is an, is African-American who you actually know, and the craziest thing is, I knew Randy Jackson. I, just like, it's... I couldn't make these stories up. But that's how I got on American Idol, as they did call me. I, I came in. I, I thought, oh, man, this is so cool because I will this to happen. I didn't even realize it yet until I heard from this nasty British man. I'll give you a hint. His his first name starts with Nye and ends with Joel. Nye Joel. He, he, he said... Look, we're looking for someone who once was very famous that the older brothers and sisters and parents will know. But I'm like, wait a minute. I thought this job was supposed to be mine. Wait a minute, wait. How come he's not realizing that this is my job? This is it. I was told by a psychic and he just went on and he was so rude that I said, when does this start? You'll have to pack your bags because you leave in two days for the, for the auditions. And I just, I, my heart fell into my stomach because now I knew about Simon Cowell and I knew Randy Jackson. So I was told by a psychic, all of this, and now I'm told they're leaving in two days, which I knew at that point. They must have interviewed a whole bunch of other people and they just haven't found the right person. And so my ego and my pride had me stand up and say well I'm really sorry um, I wish I would have known earlier but I, I have a commitment in some jobs I'm doing I had nothing I had zero going on and I walked out of the room and I remember tears were pouring down my eyes like how did this happen then I could hear a t- couple of the executives chasing after me going Paula Paula from the Fox um, parking lot and I wiped my tears and I just said I, this isn't for me life's too short and so am I that's my saying, life's too short, and so am I. Um, and they said, "Just th- you're perfect for it, you're perfect for it. And the truth is, I sat in the parking lot with my windows rolled up. I was talking to God, I was talking to my business manager, I, and I said, you know what, I'll do it, but I do not defer any payment, I'll, I'll go to charity. Because I also knew as a businesswoman, how do you negotiate when, when the show's starting in two days? So that's how that's how it was, and I, and you know I, I weighed the pros and cons, and I knew that for me and my brain, I needed to di- divert my energy away from physical pain. So I accepted the job, and the rest is history.
0: And it is, and what people don't realize is that American Idol redefined television. You don't get numbers like they got on American Idol. You know they had audiences of
1: we had thir- we had thirteen 30, no thirty, 30 million. million thirty million people watching.
0: That doesn't happen. Sometimes anymore.
1: three days because sometimes we were on Mondays Tuesdays and Wednesdays, so there would be it, it broke every record and and every other network called our show the Death Star because even if you we're up 50% in ratings. We were still 100% above everybody else. It was crazy.
0: It was crazy and you know because of the diversity in entertainment today, this will probably never, never happen, happen again. again. If a TV show today gets 2 to 3 million viewers, they're happy. That's like a really great show today. And these guys were hitting records of 30 million plus and it and it went for years and years and years and look at the stars that have come out of this you know from Kelly Clarkson
1: well you can't they're not they're not anymore but it was from the years I was on yeah we had Kelly Clarkson Justin you know we had we had Tamira Gray we had um, Fantasia we had Carrie Underwood oh she won an academy award Jennifer Hudson Je- yeah i mean the, pe- the people that we we turned and churned out super duper stars, which no other show has been able to do
0: yeah paula you 've had a long and and, and and really rough road, and you have continued to to win you 've continued to succeed. What would you give my students as paula abdul 's word of advice for succession for for success in in life
1: the most the most important thing is um you got to believe in yourself you can't you can't wait and see if other people believe in you you have to hone in on the whatever craft whatever career choice you are about to go in that path you have to commit 100 percent. give it a give it a shot now for people that want to be in the entertainment industry i always say you know, it's not for the weak. And, you know, just because I'm nice, people would mistake that as weakness. But my kindness was my biggest strength, because I could choose to be otherwise. But the truth is, is that nobody was would ever have said, oh, Paula Abdul's is a sure shot, until I started believing that I was. And I was relentless. Like, Like my dad just saying no is the beginning of a negotiation really stuck with me. And I think that whatever field you're going in, you have to give it your all. And if it's not happening for you, you've got to give yourself a time frame. Because if you just keep trying to capture what you think you should be doing, you're missing out on so many other avenues where you could be a super-duper star. So I just say, like, always remain a student. Don't think you know it all. I'm still a student today. Um, the second I think that I know it all, it bites me in the butt. And I, I learn lessons all the time from that. So believe in yourself like a child believes in Santa Claus. And stay have that stick to itness attitude that you're going to give it your all. And also give yourself a time limit. If it doesn't work within the next three to five years, I am going to, uh, like, abruptly stop. And I'm going to move to something else. Because you want, you want to be able to leave a legacy behind. And you want to be proud of what, you, what you're leaving behind. So give it your all. Um, go the extra mile. I would say there's, there's no uh, traffic in if you go the extra mile. And those who go the extra mile end up winning big time.
0: That's awesome advice. I know that you're not somebody who sits and rests on their laurels. There's a lot of people that have had careers like yours that would say, you know what, I've done enough, and they stop. But you're like the ever-ready bunny. Well, I come right? back. I
1: come. I come floating in from the rafters. I come from underneath the cement. I don't give up. And like I've had a career that's lasted three decades plus. And um,
0: so, what are you doing now? Well, this What's is the a, latest this and greatest. Been,
1: this has been the hardest time because I was you know I have a residency in in Las Vegas and I was supposed to start up again I finished in January I was supposed to start up again next month at um the Paris hotel and everything's everything's shut down now for entertainment it's very difficult and every time that they they think they can pull back the lenient, you know the the strictness and um with social distancing some people some of my friends started Photography, principal photography on a film, only to be shut down the very next day. So it's just different. It's it's different. So right now, I just try to keep my spirits up and alive. I stay in contact with my friends. Um, I've been doing dance classes on on online, hooking it up to my phone on my television set. Um, I've started new hobbies. Um, I'm cooking a lot, which I never cooked, and now. Now I'm pretty good. Um, my dogs are bored of me. They're bored. I take them during a walk, uh, I take them on walks in the neighborhood. They're telling me get a new neighborhood. <laughs> I try to keep myself busy, but it's it's difficult. But
0: what ha- okay, this isn't going to last forever when COVID is over. You know it's, if tomorrow we got a vaccine and, and our world could be what it was are you going to go straight back to the residency i'm going to do Vegas? I'm going to
1: do my residency and I have a couple of television projects that are on hold right now I don't know if they're going to actually happen one of them's for Fox, my home away from home but um yeah i'm 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 cre- creating and developing different uh projects for television and one for stage when we're able to resume It's hard. I think entertainment's the hardest one to get back on its feet because there's so many provisions that have to be adhered to.
0: Yeah, it, it is a really weird time, but I will tell you the only thing that I like about this whole thing is the ability to virtually reach students we would have never been able to reach it's before true. and going forward leap is going to be a hybrid program we will have the live ucla experience every year like we have but, but we'll also them. have the virtual program isn't it
1: crazy you would, like n- none of us would have would ever have, realized no. that how easy and how effective
0: and nobody would have accepted it you know no. if, if last year if i had an opportunity to have you know the president of the united states no, maybe somebody different now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but come to the program virtually, students would, like, nobody, people are like, why am I paying money to see somebody on a screen, right? But it's a whole new world. It's I'm so
1: grateful world. for FaceTime chats and, and like, group, ch- group chats, things that we've never done, and now we're so, we're so blessed by being able to connect with friends still, you know.
0: You know I invented Zoom. Yes, you did. The wrong one. The but I no, know.
1: the right one, the right one.
0: <laughs> Anyhow, Paula, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you so much. Thank um, you. We have some students that are watching right now. I'll let a few of you guys ask Paula a few questions. Uh, if you raise your hand, I'll, I'll call on you.
1: Hi.
0: Uh, I can't, Tara. Tara? Go, yeah, go ahead and unmute yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Tana, I'm from Alaska. Uh, You have had a lot of success throughout your entire life, so I wanted to know how you define success. How do I define success? Is that what you asked me? Well, success is different for everyone. For me, it's just being able to wake up every day and take part and, and know that I am furthering creating my legacy that I will leave behind and not giving up success for me is not giving up because this it's easy it's easy to pull the covers over your head and say i don't want to suit up today and i don't want to i don't want to try but i don't adhere to that i always think that there's a missed opportunity if i take that attitude
0: awesome um there's another performer up there one of my best friend's daughters taylor schoenbach is there (laughs) Um, you got to actually see her perform at Leap.
1: Yes, I did. Yes. I and um uh,
0: Taylor, do you have any questions for Paula? Go ahead and unmute yourself.
1: Oh yeah. Hi. Um I was wondering besides, um, I know that you had a lot of changes in your life due to the unfortunate like plane crash and a lot of things that came from them from that and like therapy. But I was wondering if there was another moment maybe that wasn't a physical moment that uh, served as a pivotal moment for you in your life that maybe caused you to think about something differently. Um, I really learned the value of gratitude um, earlier in my life, like when growing up. When I was a, when I was a child, at four years old, I saw my very first MGM musical called "Singing in the Rain" with Gene Kelly, and I fell in love with I fell in love with Gene Kelly at four years old. But I fell in love with musicals, and I always thought if I could ever one day meet Gene Kelly, I would let him know just how much he molded and shaped and drove my career path. And when I was fortunate enough to be able to do my first album, Forever Your Girl, there was a song called "Opposites Attract" on it, and I, and it was a, it lent itself to a duet. So it was, it, and I, the whole song, all I could think about is I want an animated character. So I created an animated cat. In the hopes that I would be able to dedicate it to Gene Kelly, because if you go back on YouTube, Gene Kelly's movies—he he dances with a little animated mouse, and it was really groundbreaking. And I, by me creating an animated cat that I could dance with it, was it became another groundbreaking um, period for MTV. And when I was it was, the seventh, it was the seventh single, I had six singles out and I was overplayed at radio. It was a real risk to even put a seventh single out. Most debut artists have two or three singles max. And here I was, I was selling millions and millions of albums. And so when we released Opposites Attract, the first thing I did is I created the video so I could give it as a gift to Gene Kelly. And that's how I learned about the gift of gratitude because by me just doing that, he invited me over to his home in Beverly Hills for tea. And this is like my idol. And I got a chance to become friends with him during the last two and a half years of his life. And he helped me do a commercial where I actually danced with him for Diet Coke. And it it won all sorts of awards. And it just, that was such a strong lesson of when you walk in gratitude, miracles happen.
0: To learn more about the LEAP Foundation, go to leapfoundation.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the LEAP Foundation, on Instagram at LEAP Foundation, and on Twitter at LEAP Los Angeles. Listen to the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.